How's it going, Odd People? You are listening to the Odd People Podcast, and I am your host, Matt the Cat. Today is episode number 12. I traveled down to the town of Foster, Rhode Island, and caught up with my old friend Tyler Hall of the ENS Workshop. He's a very talented woodworker and drum builder, so I hope you enjoy the show. Before we get started here, I'm adding this uh, disclaimer. As you all know, I'm new to this, and uh, the show is a never-ending work in progress. I'm constantly adding and taking away equipment in order to make the show sound better or to make my mobile setup easier for me to use. So in saying that, sometimes I miss a step or I have a um, brain fart somewhere in the process. And uh, without going into too much boring details, um, the audio in this episode is very clear, but it was recorded at a very low volume. So I'd like to suggest to you, the listener, that uh, to turn up the volume <laughs> on this episode. Um, using headphones, it's not that bad. I mean, you do have to turn it up, but you can clear. It, uh, you can hear it very clear. But um, you really have to crank it up if you're in the car. So um, that's my quick disclaimer for you. So I'm going to apologize in advance for any hearing impaired people if you can't hear the episode. Um, Thank you again very much for listening. Uh, This has been a disclaimer. So, Tyler, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Mr. Cat? <laughs> I'm all right. Good. Um, so why don't you just tell the listeners where you're from, what your uh, what your business is, what you specialize in? Excellent, excellent. All right. Well, uh, I'm originally from Massachusetts, a little town called West Newberry. Um, not much has come out of that town. Uh, John Cena is actually from West Newberry, so that's something. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, and then uh, after high school, I moved up to Maine and. Fell in love and moved to Rhode Island 15 years ago, 16 years ago, excuse me, uh, where I became a contractor, um, working, you know, different fields of carpentry, uh, drywall, framing, whatever. Um, But I noticed there was a rhythm to the contracting seasons where from the end of November to like the beginning of um like the end of april actually um it was really slow november got tied up with you know thanksgiving and then december with you know christmas and new year's and then tax season nobody wants you working in their house yep so yeah it's just you know with good reason so um so there would be months where i wasn't working and i had just had a child and i needed to work so i needed to fill that time um and so I started a little workshop. A friend of mine was looking for a dining room table. So I had spent all this money that I didn't have to get all this equipment that I thought I could use. And then by the time I started milling down all this wood, she was like, oh, look, this brand new table that we got. I'm like, all right, well, I'll do something else with my wood and all this machinery. And, um, and so I had just started playing with a band, uh, playing music. And being a drummer, I would like... I wanted more 
stuff. I wanted more drums and whatever. But also being a drummer and just spending all this money, I was dead broke. So I'm like, how do I get more drums? How do I get stuff that I, you know, I, I don't have the resources for? So I started researching on how to make drums. So I'm like, how can I use what I have to get what I need? Yeah. So I read about it. I there's a couple of different things that you know you could do, and um, I just kind of ran with one idea and ran with it, and you know and just started making drums and making knickknacks and stuff in ENS Workshop. ENS wasn't actually ENS; it was just my stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh, your drums are really good, or you know these these travel mugs or these things, these bowls, they're really cool. What are they? I'm like, oh, that's just my stuff. You know, you yeah. can just buy my stuff. I'll just give them as Christmas presents, whatever. Not really thinking it would ever really go anywhere. But now, ENS Workshop, um, I have 11 drummers that advocate for um, ENS all over the country. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, a couple guys in New Orleans, uh, California. I'm trying to get a few more out there. Uh, Massachusetts, uh, Rhode Island, Connecticut, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So. Where'd you come up with the name ENS? I mean, I know. But. Yeah, ENS. Yeah, no. ENS workshop is actually a, a double meaning. Uh, when I first started the company, it was just Elijah, my son Elijah, um, and then we ended up having a second child, and we had Scarlett. So ENS workshop right out of the gate was kind of like Elijah and Scarlett would kind of work in there because this is something that I wanted to do to leave behind for them. If I if this takes off. And I could create some sort of legacy to leave behind for my kids. This is for them, so I might as well name it for them. But also the other side of that double meaning is in my drumming and what I do, my level of uh, custom work is you when you're playing music, I know you play music and some of you guys out there might play music as well. Um, you want to enjoy yourself playing. We, we all play music because we want to enjoy playing music yeah. we get enjoyment not only playing music but seeing people enjoy you playing music and so you want to enjoy music and you want to sound good doing it you know if you're not sounding good no one's jiving on that and that's no good yeah. so enjoyment and sound E and S wow. Elijah and Scarlet so beautiful I like that yeah, man. <laughs> I didn't know that yeah that was that's I, mean, like I knew the, I the kids names I didn't know that okay. yeah that's no that's awesome. when when I first started it was it was like okay I'm focusing on drums and yeah. I wanted and I was I actually I came up with the enjoyment and sound before I even thought about it. I'm like oh my god my kids first names are E and S that's yeah, great yeah, that's perfect <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's named after you guys the whole time. Yeah, don't yeah right. <laughs> you, you named your kids after so you could fit them into the, the yeah, company. Yeah, be quiet, <laughs> rudiment. Quiet. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so you went up to Maine. Yes, sir. Found love. Yep. I know you have your, your tattoo. Yeah. You want to talk a little about that? Your, sure. Your, your journey, yeah, my your journey in life. Yeah, my my tattoo on my left arm is a full sleeve. Um, it's basically a road um, that represents my life. Um, on my from my wrist to my elbow is the first part of my journey. Um, when I first started out on the road, you know, going all the way through high school, and then when I was like in my Later high school years, um, I started getting into a lot of trouble. Uh, my parents were going through a divorce, and uh, 
I found myself in some bad ways. I was experimenting with a lot of uh, dangerous things, and um, it really ended up leading to me getting into an accident, skateboarding at sunrise, tripping on mushrooms, drunk off my ass. And um, I ended up crashing on my skateboard, uh, and they had to pick me up in a helicopter, and I was pronounced dead on arrival. Um, they got me going in the they got me going in the um, hallway on the way to the emergency room with someone like it was like a movie where you see the guy on the on the gurney and they're cranking on his chest and yeah. that was me rolling into the emergency room and uh, and so they got me going. I was like the proverbial fifteen million or whatever crazy number it was to survive an accident like that. I yeah. smashed my skull uh, <clears throat> two inches in one spot, four inches in another, shattered my right temple bone ripped off pretty much all my clothes from skidding 40 some odd feet on my back um Jesus and Christ. uh yeah it was a big mess it was a big show how old were you uh, i believe i was 17 or 18 i don't really remember i i uh, i suffered from when i woke up like three days later um i had suffered from severe brain damage vertigo i like trying to remember some certain things in my life is like looking for the Ark of the Covenant in the warehouse where top yeah, men are right. researching it. It's like, there's a whole bunch of boxes and it's all, it's dark and I got a little flashlight looking for one little key memory point. You know what uh, I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I, once I once I get, you know, if I can get the lights turned on then it works out well but like trying to remember stuff I miss facts, details, all little shit. Jeez, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, my road ends. My, my road kind of creates uh, a dead end at my elbow and then picks back up after basically learning how to walk talk read speak everything all these different things uh my journey began and uh and i was back on the road um my parents are separated at this point i didn't want to go with either one of them i wanted to go someplace that made me happy because i knew that life is short now it's time to discover life enjoy it do yeah. something fun and radical where can i go and get radical i can get radical at sugarloaf so i went to carabazza valley maine and uh, and had probably one of the best jobs of my entire life. It was working at the snowboard rental shop at Sugarloaf Mountain. Sweet. Yeah. Now I'm I'm on the I'm on the clear path. I got a you know real clear focus on what I want to do, and that was to uh, just go snowboarding every day. Yeah. Right. Dream, <laughs> dream job. Yeah. It was really great. I mean, uh, the, the community at Sugarloaf is really awesome. I still have a lot of friends and family up there, and uh, if I could make that happen, I would I would want to retire there. But um, right. It, the logistics of it is kind of crazy for me, but um, but anyway, so here I was at Sugarloaf and um, you know living this dream job and this great having this great time, and then I met this girl um, that I uh, am married to now. But so the back to the <clears> tattoo. <throat> so right on the other side of my elbow, the road picks up and winds up into the bottom of Sugarloaf, and on the crown of my shoulder is Sugarloaf Mountain, and. Um, that was a big turning point in my life because, like we mentioned before, she told me she was pregnant. Now, I was 22 years old, and yeah. just getting done shitting my pants, finding out that I'm having a child, I'm still a kid myself, and I'm like, yeah. oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, time to figure this out. You know, I figured out how to right. come back from death. I'm sure I could figure out how to bring somebody else into this crazy world. <laughs> So uh, so we ended up moving to Rhode Island. She was from here, and uh, she wanted to be closer to her family. Um, and we, we had our son, Elijah. And at the top of my shoulder, over the top of Sugarloaf, there's a snowstorm with Elijah's name in it. Oh, 
and uh, it's all kind of blended in there, swirl like yeah. the wind. And so basically coming up from my wrist, leading this life, this crazy road and twists and turns that I've gone through to finding myself dropping off a cliff like Thelma and Louise to somehow landing unscathed and coming all the way back and then finding my the reason why I, I, I landed and got going back on my path was so I could have Elijah and uh, and have a purpose, <clears throat> have a meaning in my life, basically. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm designing a sleeve for my other arm that includes uh, a different set of paths, maybe not so much a road, but my journey through Rhode Island, landing in Rhode Island, um, and basically kind of coming up to the top of my shoulder where uh, it's going to be a whole sea theme in the top of my shoulder be cresting off with a wave maybe not so much like hookah size wave but just a wave yeah. crashing <laughs> with scarlet's name spray over the top of the wave my two my two most favorite things in this world are um elijah and scarlet um yeah, elijah is my rock he's pretty steadfast uh he doesn't really change much. Um, <laughs> there he is. Yeah, there he is. He's over there. He's got his thumbs up. Um, so, yeah, he's my rock. He's my mountain. Where Scarlet is my ocean. She is my forever changing, you know, spitfire. So, the two things that I love, Elijah and Scarlet, but my other two things, I was born on the ocean. I love the ocean. I'm drawn to the ocean. But yeah. I'm also drawn to the mountains. I mean, I feel most comfortable in the mountains. So, I have the mountains, I have the ocean, I have yeah. Elijah, and I have Scarlet. Well, it's the two most beautiful parts of the earth that we live in i can't imagine living on a flat i plane with, yeah. with no ocean in view and no mountains in view you I know think i'd probably lose my mind i would absolutely agree with that yeah. yeah i like growing up in the midwest i mean that's one of those things though like someone in the midwest they've never uh, some i'm sure i've gotten a chance to see an ocean or maybe you know yeah. see them in pictures but it's like I'm also colorblind. You know, people will be like, oh, I can't imagine being colorblind. You know, you my, can't my see these colors. It's like, Lennon's colorblind. Dude, yeah, my oldest is. I don't know the difference. And so it's like, I don't know what I'm missing because I've never seen it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I see things slightly different than you. I mean, I could say that you don't see the colors that I see. Yeah. So. Is that because of the accident or were you colorblind before? No, I was born and raised colorblind. Yeah. I had it coming. You were born and raised. <laughs> yeah, I was born and raised colorblind. Yeah. My dad was severely colorblind. Really? His father was slightly colorblind. My mother's father was colorblind. I had it coming wow. from both ends of the yeah. gene pool. I wonder if I am colorblind and I just don't know it. You actually might carry it, but they say females carry the gene more predominantly than the males. Know. But even though my dad ended up with it, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, Lennon's no. colorblind. We we noticed it when he was learning his colors. Really? You know, because it's, and then the, you know they tested for it where they do yeah. the, the dot of a. Did slip. you get the call being like, Mister Cat? You, uh, <laughs> you, we have we have something to talk about with your son. You, yeah, uh, I think um, Melanie got the news at the doctor, and then she came home, and it was just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, really. And the kids really picked up the whole art thing for, yeah. me, for me so yeah. they're constantly drawing and he's constantly coloring things in right but then he'll he'll with him it's like um purples and blues yeah are just the same my yeah you make me too the, the yeah. certain, the certain that's kind of like that my spectrum the same yep that's my spectrum and it has to be really really purple yeah. or really really blue but otherwise i mean purple just looks dark blue to me and it's like yeah, again, like it mixed they up just, all the time. They, they're just the I for world. the longest time the Herald and the Purple Crayon, everything was blue in there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense now that I know. You yeah, know, right. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's 
I actually, funny story about that was, uh, you know, after we had discovered that I was colorblind, I took a writing class when I was in high school, and it was like, we had to write our own children's book. It was a, you know, it was pretty good. I yeah. mean, I actually wrote a children's book that was inspired off of Harold and the Purple Crayon because I love that imagination. Like, here's this kid who has this imaginary crayon and he can draw his way into life. You know, yeah. hey, I need a house. He draw himself a little house and you can just go inside <laughs> of his little. So I kind of created like a spinoff of Harold and the Purple Crayon, and it was like you know Jimmy and the in the green crayon. <laughs> Yep. Everything was yellow. <laughs> so I did this whole, like, you know, Johnny in the green crayon, and I colored everything yellow, and she failed me on it. She was like, everything's yellow, and it's about a green crayon. I'm like, that's perfect. Dude. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, well, where's blue then? Let's, yeah, let, yeah. Let me fix it. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. Give me uh, that one. That's no, that's brown. All right. Uh, that's great. Give me that one. No, that's not green either. Are the kids uh, have any colorblindness no. to them? No, no and luckily not. Um, yeah, luckily I'm not. glad Elijah doesn't have any of the uh, side effects um, that I have because he want, he's inspired to be a pilot, and I know you can't fly a plane <coughs> if you are yeah, colorblind. That, that's what they told uh, Lennon, and he was so disappointed. I don't think flying a plane was ever on his, yeah. in his wheelhouse, in his, yeah, right. however old he was. You know, he was like seven or something. Right. I don't think that was in his idea box. Yeah, at seven years old, it's, yeah. But then they're like, oh, you'll never be a pilot. And he was all bummed out about it. Well, thanks for that, dude. Yeah, it was like, well, that was what he was, his whole life, that's what he was dreaming about. Well, at least I know I don't have to focus on that anymore. Yeah, at least least he knows he can move on from being a pilot. I'm like, well, you can work on planes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's (laughs) true. You can be a tech, you know, you can whatever. I don't know how we got on this. So anyway, uh, we were talking about... We were talking about the ocean and the mountains. Yeah, the mountains and the ocean. And you know, and uh, I was thinking this on the way down here. It's been a long time since I've been in this area. Yeah. This area of Rhode Island is beautiful. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot like of really, really nice really, places. Yeah, it's really nice out here. Once you get on the outskirts, on the outside of the outskirts of Providence area, when you get past Johnston and you, know, you, you start traveling west, or even if you get down... Um, into like Exeter and you know you start getting to the the uh, the wooded areas of Rhode Island um, the more um, reservoir filled places that you can find that you take route 12 from here yeah. and you're driving over like land bridges and you have you know beautiful scenery I love it's amazing this area in the fall nice it's it great is. oh yeah, yeah. beautiful in the fall yeah yeah I totally forgot how nice it is it's like we went up to uh, Vermont last fall and I was just like okay we need to buy a piece of land up here <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yeah. like I just need some kind of camp or somewhere yeah I'm like I just want to be up here just not even doing anything like right. I don't ski or snowboard or right. anything but, but I'm just like I just want to be yeah. in this environment because we have yeah we have the water we have the ocean yeah. We live a mile from the beach. You guys yeah. will have to come up at some point. But even but if you go into Vermont, you can get you know up northwest and get close to you know the Great Lakes, and you can yeah. get, you get up to some really beautiful areas. My dad's outside of Mount Pelier, and, right, uh, yeah. and he's in lives in a place called uh, Waterbury, East Callis Line, and yeah. uh, but he's that's about thirty to forty miles east of Mount Pelier, and uh, it takes forever to get there. But every time we go there, it's like we just drive around and be like, how can we make this work? Like, how yeah. can we be here? That's the, yeah, that's the thought. I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, we have the ocean and it's nice, but the flip side is it's Cape Cod. Yeah. So it's like when you want to go to the beach, everybody else is at the beach. And yeah. They don't even live around here. They, they right. just show up and yeah. it's like you're going to have, you have to deal with the traffic, but you, you, you come to learn when the good times 
are in bad times or like oh, leaving yeah. and like you know we'll leave early there's, yeah to go off cape just oh yeah just there's a rhythm to that cycle and yeah. once you figure out that rhythm then yeah it's like okay well i'm not going to be there on these days or during these weeks of this particular time of year we have a super <laughs> awesome restaurant it's uh you know everything we live in born so everything's a mile away it's a small town but yeah there's this place called the lobster trap my neighbor works there and this podcast brought to you by the lobster <laughs> yeah, trap yeah right yeah, i wish that'd be nice <laughs> yeah. um yeah listening for that and give us some free food um but they are so busy really like just during during the off season you could have like an hour wait really on like a friday night yeah there's so a couple the, places like so that so the yeah. uh the summertime it's like you call me like how long's the wait and oh yeah two and a half hours yeah and you're like wow people are actually sitting there for two and a half hours yeah or if you have a party more than four you're like yeah. hey is there a wait for eight people do you take a reservation no yeah, so you can sit here yeah. and wait yeah it's a jerk nuts. like i went there with uh, my friends a while that last year at one point and we kind of i have these high school friends these guys have known my whole life and um We'll meet up and kind of go to each other's area. Yeah. And we'll go and we'll um, go to a restaurant nearby or whatever. So I'm like, all right, you guys got to come to my house. Yeah. We're going to go. And like, thankfully, they have a bar. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's like, there was enough <laughs> yeah. area for us to stay yeah. in there. By the time, yeah, by the time like, you're ready for food, you're tanked. Yeah. yeah well, we try not to be. <laughs> it's like, so what do you want to eat? We eat. <laughs> yeah. It was like, all right, well, we're going to go and, you know, try to get a table for four. Sure. And it's like, all right, well, we're going we're gonna to be standing there waiting but at least there's enough area near the bar where we can stand and have a couple of drinks because sure. otherwise yeah, yeah, it's, you'd be losing your mind sitting in yeah. a waiting room staring at each other. Like, yeah, right. Like, this is why we don't hang out that often. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we're having a conversation. So then, yeah, just so you know, the next time we hang out, this will be mentioned. Okay, just so mm-hmm. you know that, right? No, there's yeah. actually a couple of places like that. Like, we like to go down to um, South County a lot, and there's a couple of different seafood places that we'll go hit up, like Champlin's. Now, Champlin's is down like Salty Brine Beach, um, right down in the um, Point Judith area. And, uh, I mean, it's really good, um, but it can be like that. It's like it's got this long, rickety wooden staircase going to the (laughs) second floor, and it's like there'll be a line coming down this rickety-ass staircase all the way to the bottom. I mean, this is like a 32-set stair. (laughs) It's a big stair. It's a big wooden staircase. And so uh, so – if you pull into that place and you see a line of people at the bottom of those stairs, it's like, nope. I will have yeah, nope for dinner, and we will turn around. We will drive back wherever we need to go. I mean, there's Charlie O's right there. Uh, usually, if Champlin's is that busy, Char- Charlie O's is usually pretty busy too. But it's like, dude, we've already come down this far. I mean, they sell seafood yeah. downstairs, so we could just get some, like, I don't know, lobster salad or, you know, yeah. clams or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> like the lobster trap has uh... – so they have a restaurant and then it's a fish market too. Yeah. And you could you can order their stuff yeah. to go. Yeah, right. Where it's like you'd rather just go in and get I'd almost get rather get some halibut or something and yeah. just cook at home. Like right. at, you know, at that at, a at that point, point I'm almost right. There's a set of dock right there too, and so it's where all like the fish and game come in. And yeah. so uh, I'd almost rather just walk the dock and look for some guy pulling in, you know, <laughs> yeah. bounty from the ocean, be like, Hey, how much for one of them lobsters, dude? I got yeah. lobster money. Hey, hey guy. <laughs> but I can't eat lobsters, so you know. You can't? No, I'm uh, I'm allergic. I would like to say that I'm allergic to it, to crab and lobster. Um, my parents tried feeding it to me all the time. Growing up where I grew up, we used to go to Maine a lot. My mom's from Brunswick, Maine. So we used to go into Maine all the time, camping, seeing family or whatever. And 
there was a point where we were camping and we went to I think it was Warren's no maybe not Warren's Lobster Pound but it was a lobster pound in Booth Bay Harbor and um, that which is in Maine and my parents were always trying to force me to eat lobster and I always knew there was something wrong with it I'm like nah dude you gotta dip it in butter to make it good I, I have to wear a trash bag <laughs> to eat this stuff yeah. and I'm like I don't know there's something like the flags are going up I don't really want that and like no love it you'll love it you, you eat it right it, we're on the water you know we're, all, we're sitting on this dock it's a nice day whatever just eat it there's a bunch of people around I'm like no I don't want to do that no, I don't want to do that no just eat it just dunk it in just eat it I'm like no I don't want to do that I'm like, finally, just shut you up. I'm going to eat it. And so I take a piece, I dunk it in the lobster, I put it in my mouth, I chew it maybe three or four times, and all of a sudden it was like, oh. I ran for the railing and vomited off the railing. Remind yeah. you, we're on a dock. We're on a, like a deck that went over. It was like a 30 to 40-foot drop to the water. <laughs> and so it was like, Hah! <laughs> and the deck was just filled with people so here i am five six years old whatever hamming over the railing and uh and since then anytime my parents were like here try this be like no i don't think i want that they actually started listening yeah and so i i went on there was always thinking it was like psychosomatic like i would think that it would make me sick so then in turn i would make myself sick you know yeah. so they would try and sneak it in food my mom would make lobster newberg all the time it's one of my brother's favorite food growing up it was and uh, and so she would make lobster Newberg or whatever, and she'd be like, "Oh, I made this. I made a little bit just for you without any lobster in it." I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah, no, I'm not gonna fall for this one again. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, where are the trash bags? Get them yeah. ready. Yeah, you know? I'm not gonna try that. And I actually, a couple of years ago, you know, I your flavor, you know, your, your your palate or you know your body goes through changes every so many years, and so I was thinking maybe it changed, and um, we we're actually at a Christmas party. And there was like it was one of those Christmas parties where it's like a salad party. I mean, yeah. there's thirty different kinds of salads. There's pasta salad. There's potato salad. <laughs> yeah. There's whatever. And so I fill my plate with like four different salads, and uh, and I sit down. And I'm picking through. I'm like, oh, the pasta salad's pretty good. Oh, the potato salad's pretty good. I'm like, I'm not sure what this salad is, but I'll just start eating it. And I put one bite in my mouth, and I was chewing it. And I'm like. It's really salty. I don't really know what kind of salad this is. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, my mouth was getting itchy, and it was starting to, like, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. And I and I'm, I look up, and I see one of the cousins or whatever. I'm like, hey, what kind of salad was that? The, the very last one over by the stove. And they're like, oh, I think that was a crab salad. And I'm like, yep. That's what it was. Yeah. And I put my plate on the floor in front of me. I was sitting on the couch. I put it down on the floor in front of me, and I just, like, buried my head in my hands. And it took me about an hour and a half just focusing on not puking in the middle of this family Christmas oh, party. Geez, it was like, I'm worse. like sweating. <clears throat> like Shannon's bringing me water. It was nuts. Uh, yeah, that, so, that's the worst. No, if you're allergic to crab and lobster, don't bother trying. <laughs> yeah, my uh, Simon's allergic to nuts. Oh, yeah. So when he was a real little baby, his cheeks were red yeah. and itchy. And he would yeah. scratch it to the point yeah. where it was bleeding. Really? And um, like restaurants or just like? No, we didn't know. We yeah. didn't know. We had no clue. Yeah. And uh, we eventually found out it's allergies. Uh, we go through the whole yeah, line you go of everything. Yeah, litmus test and all that. And um, so they tell us, oh, it's tree nuts. He's yeah. allergic to tree nuts. Peanuts should be fine. Yeah, root nuts. Yeah. You know, tree nuts can't even be in a room in it with, really? with it. Wow. And, you know, we ate mixed yeah like, right yeah like, Jim. you know we're sitting there holding him in one arm yeah. and nuts in the other hand yeah right. hey, i don't know what's wrong dude. with this kid's face you know yeah. like, yeah. nuts in one. i got i got stock in tree nuts man this is cashews, bad you know? yeah right yeah so it's anyway so um 
So time goes on. He's, you know, we cut all three nuts out of the house. We kept the peanut butter around. Yeah. You know, we no, wouldn't no give, reaction we didn't to give the it to nuts. him yeah. um, because it wasn't like an airbound thing. Yeah. So, you know, like you open, if he, if he were here and you opened a thing of almonds yeah. or, you know, any kind of tree nut, walnuts. Right. Shit, yeah, he would just go right <coughs> puff mode. Yeah. Like you, he would, he, he, he would, it's airborne. He's, so he's almost anaphylactic with it. Oh, he is. He oh, is. wow. So, um, so he's, I don't know, maybe two or three. He's a little, probably two. Uh, Lennon has a uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Simon goes over, not knowing anything. Little kid goes over, yeah. takes a bite, walks away. Has a reaction to it. So we're like, okay, all nuts. Yeah, right. <laughs> or else, yeah, like, oh, just cut them out. Like, yeah, out of the house. Yep. So now we have to buy that expensive. Uh, you like sun butter or something? Yeah, sun yeah. butter. Yeah, it's like it, sunflower seed or. And it's fine. They don't. They yeah. don't have a difference. Like, so it's funny. Like I have peanut butter at work for, but like I, I'm like paranoid about like washing my hands and stuff if I it's, eat like nuts at work or you know somebody brings in pistachios. this whole time that you've been telling me the story I went through the exact same thing Scarlett's allergic to tree nuts alright yeah. yeah but yeah. she she didn't really show like when you said what well, he went like red and itchy or whatever yeah. she didn't really show until we went and ate at this uh, Asian restaurant and oh, no, we're yeah. sitting there and all of a sudden she's just breaking out into rash and I was I'm looking at him like this is something not right, and I one of the waitresses come over. I'm like, "Do you guys cook with like peanut oil or anything?" Yeah. And uh, you know they serve a lot of Thai food, so there's nuts yeah, on everything. And I'm like, nuts. "Yeah, and uh, she's got some sort of reaction." So we ended up like you know giving her. We stopped at CVS and gave her Benadryl and washed her face or whatever. And then we got the test on. Yeah, she was allergic to tree nuts, yeah, and I went through the same thing. It was like. Yeah. Nuts are done. I mean, like yeah, we were right, like yeah. I had buckets of nuts. I mean, I was like you know rolling Didn't in them. Think and, anything uh, about it? You know, Mel's older brother is uh, allergic to tree nuts. I don't know if it's a hereditary thing or not, but yeah, I don't know. Not, Maybe it might be. I'm not allergic to anything, but I have a all of a sudden I have a uh, gluten intolerance, and I'm like that's you know fuck? yeah. My mom <laughs> went through the same thing. My mom she noticed that when she anytime she would eat bread like sandwiches or whatever. She would get the uh, the burps. She would have to burp a lot, yeah. and then she was like, this, "This is not right. I shouldn't be burping this much after eating a sandwich." Yeah. And right. then she went and got tested, and she ended up having a gluten. Allergy. Yeah, like I have a friend that has celiac disease, and that's like, like she can't even look at flour or anything like that. Oh, like, really? Like, so I can't drink beer anymore. Is there any products that, like, uh, you know, what kind of alternative to? Well, it's this is the fun. The funny thing is, they make a lot of gluten free stuff. They make it with like rice flour or whatever they make yeah, pasta right. they, they've got it down to a science where yeah, the right. pasta's not terrible yeah right yeah um, but a lot of the things they use almond flour yeah almond so I'm like flour. now I'm yeah, now, now, you, I'm now you're, where, you're stuck only, in the corner <laughs> not only are we checking everything for tree nuts but I'm checking everything for yeah. wheat and gluten so I'm like, geez, we're like narrowing our list. <laughs> we're gonna be sitting like gonna be vegan, you know? Yeah, right. Like, yeah, such a specific diet. Like Mel doesn't eat meat; she'll eat fish, but she doesn't eat meat just for her own. Yeah, right. For her own. And mindset. that's the crazy thing, because once you start going into fish, it's like, where did this come from? Because of the level of mercury and plastic. Yeah, so how much? So, yeah, yeah, so she tries not to eat too much fish because then she'll be taking so much mercury. That yeah, actually, the funny thing is, I've actually, been eating a lot of tuna fish lately, so you know. Yeah, you can't tuna fish, whatever. I mean, it's all, it's basically just like. like I'd like to get to the point where, because I'm fine, I like vegetables. I could care less about eating meat. Like, I eat a lot less meat since she doesn't. Yeah. I, you know, like, we convert a lot of our recipes, like tacos right. and stuff, yeah. to like all vegetarian. Like, I make. You start going into I bean curd like, and stuff like that. I like our, the vegetarian tacos I make. Yeah. The filling I make, I like better than meat. 
Yeah, right. Anyway, and yeah. she she makes a lasagna with no meat in it. Yeah, right. That's well, just about as good as any other. I'd put it up against anybody's yeah, lasagna right. with meat. Yeah, any, right. Any day. One of the benefits of being out here in Foster is, uh, I mean, my neighbors got a whole bunch of cows. Mm. Uh, I got a bunch of friends that hunt and stuff like that. So we get all yeah, like nice. native beef. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's awesome. See, that's it's grass fed. It's slow raised. There's no growth hormones. There's no, you know, three letter, you know things to describe what kind of shit is in these you know yeah, it's right. like no it's it's four letters it's m-e-a-t and that's <laughs> yeah. all it is <laughs> yeah we went gmo on, um, or whatever yeah we went on vacation to the azores over the summer nice i constantly talk about it because it was the most amazing place on i remember the seeing pictures yeah, uh, yeah that was know. i mean you eat a lot of like charisse and peppers and stuff yeah no it, everything <laughs> we ate was from the island yeah of course yeah so it was like you know I, thankfully, at that time, I wasn't having any issues with the gluten. Yeah, right. So it was like bread at every meal. Yeah. Beer. Yeah, <laughs> beer, yeah, right. Two yeah. Meals out of the day. Yeah. And you know, beer and wine, and everything came from the no, island. You, do they have and, like they serve like uh, like lamb and stuff like that out there? Because it's kind of a lamb. small they're, animal kind of based. They're really big on uh, beef. Yeah. So all the beef that we had there came from there. All the meat we had came from the island. Yeah, the Azores are beautiful. And it, you know. Mel, who doesn't, eat, she's gonna get mad at me for saying this. She doesn't eat any meat. She hasn't eaten any meat since whatever nine eleven last year. Yeah, you're in the doghouse now, dude. Yeah, she <laughs> had chicken when we Ooh. were there. It was yeah. a family meal. The chicken was local, and she was like, "That yeah, chicken looks yeah. really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have like, she had, like <laughs> treat, two, two little pieces. Of treat chicken. yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. <laughs> treat and yourself. It was like, wow. I was like, I was like, you know, sitting there eating it, and I'm like. You're gonna be mad if we go all the way back yeah. to the United yeah, States. Yeah, you regret you eating said you something like chicken. You didn't eat yeah. two chicken wings. That was definitely a local chicken. Yeah, like, right. It wasn't like a chicken wing you'd get here yeah. with a big giant. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. It was like it was know, organic it looking. Was yeah, it was like, a yeah. chicken. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was yeah. alive a couple of days ago. Yeah, right. You know, it, it's not like a pterodactyl days. leg, and it's like yeah. these are chicken. How in the it's hell like, no, did you manage to like get a turkey leg? I mean, it's a simple like weight ratio thing. It's like you know, a four ounce bird cannot produce a fucking twelve ounce chicken wing. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that th- was it was so good, and I'm sitting there bragging about how good it was, and I'm like, you have to, you have yeah. to try it. Yeah, I'm like, if you're not gonna eat the beef, mm. like we went to there was a specific restaurant that was like. I don't know Portuguese, so I don't understand. I don't remember the name of it, but it was like uh, the Society of Beef or whatever. Yeah, it was right, like nice. their local, like USDA. Sounds like my kind of place. I would have probably a membership there. We went there like two or three times. Yeah, and it was like it was like their USDA nice beef. Yeah, it was beef that was on the island, like, right? Probably killed the day before or that morning. Yeah. And it was some of the best steaks oh, yeah. I've ever had. I'm like, every yeah. we went like three times, and every time I had a different cut, a different yeah, size. Right, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a different way of, like, even just, like, the generations and generations of people that are, like, in that business that yeah. bring up a lot of this traditional style of raising the beef to cutting the beef and then yeah. distributing, whether it's through, like, a marketplace or brought to a restaurant or a local guy. You know what I mean? So like, just the, the heritage that goes into raising these animals and everything—it's—it's it's, here. It's like it's all about a dollar sign. There, yeah. it's a lifestyle. There it's about, yeah, the meat, you know, the food, beautiful. The way I taste you know, the way it's cooked. That, that, yeah, oh yeah. My God. I would. It's funny. I want to recommend it to everybody I know, 
but I don't want anybody to go. Keep <laughs> <laughs> it to yourself. No friends on a powder day, bro. Sorry, man. <laughs> I, I don't want it to turn into an American tourist trap. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's kind of yeah. like Hawaii for Europe. So like, yeah. a lot of Europeans go there. English is the common language. Sure. So it's easy to get around. Yeah, fit right in. And it's, you know, it's, it's easy you to You don't have to, there. like, create some sort of weird, like, accent to see if you can blend in. Be like, yeah, yeah this guy's definitely not from around here. Yeah, like, it, it's cool <laughs> and it's amazing. And, of course, there's a lot of <clears throat> local people, Rhode Island, Fall River, sure. Cape, sure. Massachusetts, you know, because yeah. of, of the whole Portuguese, of the whole Portuguese mm-hmm. heritage. Everybody's from there. But, um, but, like, I would hate to see it turn into some kind of American yeah. tourist trap. And, yeah. it's, and it's such a... Uh, it's such a unique place, mm. and you know a lot of the way you know all the waitresses and waiters and you know a lot of the places speak English, but they don't accommodate. Right. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. you you go to the airport and you're gonna have to search for somebody to find to speak English. Yeah. A lot right, of yeah. a lot of the touristy kind of areas, the coastal places, you know, that it's easy to find. But that's good. But it's kind of, it's good. Yeah, like that's that. that's what you want. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't want to go to a place where they're accommodating for me. I don't. I don't go on vacation to feel like I'm at home. Yeah, right. I go yeah. on vacation to, to feel, feel like, like I'm on vacation. I'm, yeah, to feel like yeah. I'm away. I, I want to be away. I want to be yeah. whisked away to the yeah, middle right. of the ocean. And so, you know, yeah, there. But I mean, it's yeah, like the I highly recommend it, but I don't recommend. Yeah, it Yeah, just all. don't go there. It's a horrible place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forget forget we ever talked about this. We're gonna edit it all out. <laughs> yeah, it's all gone. Nobody's ever going. Yeah. So back to uh, woodworking and sure. stuff. Um, so you talked a little bit, uh, a little bit about how you decided to build drums. Yeah. And all, it all came from that. But um, yeah. how do you do it? How do you? Um... All right. So uh, going back to that original conversation. <laughs> so when I was doing my research to make these things, um, I knew that I had a. Uh, I had what I, I had what I had as far as like you know machinery and stuff like that, and I knew what I could make. There's a couple of different ways to make these things on your own. You can either make it out of metal, and you basically have a form, and you and you you know smelt a bunch of metal, and you pour it in there, and you can you know whatever. Or you can like expect I'm not a metal worker, so onto the wood, you can either steam bend these things, which mm-hmm. is like a, tr- a pretty traditional way of making drums, which is basically like creating uh, layers of veneer. Um, yeah. And actually, literally steaming them in a box, and then having a form that you wrap them around, and then you just layer each layer. So you do this like seven times, and then you bind them all, and then basically by the end, you know, a couple of days after drying, boom, you got a drum. Yeah. And then you can put on your bearing edges and drill all your holes, and you go away. You go. But number one, I'm not about to start messing around with steam boxes and or resawing a bunch of lumber down so I can veneer this wood. Um, yeah, you get a 48-inch <laughs> Right, yeah, exactly. I don't have that, and I can't afford, the, yeah. I don't have the resources to go ahead and do that. So how can I use what I have to get what I want? Um, the other way of doing this is stave construction. Now, stave construction, basically, it's like, have you ever seen a whiskey barrel? A whiskey okay. barrel is made up of these slats that are all kind of fitted together with bands. Well, it's the same kind of principle. So with a drum, um, there's on average like a snare drum, a 14-inch snare drum would have 20 pieces of wood. You can have multiple different uh, – you can have less staves or more staves, but the mathematical formula to create the stave barrel, it just changes slightly. So basically – I had to go resort back to my failed math classes back in high school <laughs> and uh, and uh, do a whole bunch of studying and work and try and find out if I have 20 staves 
with two, with two angles on each stave, how many, you know, what would be the thickness of the wood to the width to the long points to the angle that I would need. And so I've, I've basically found out that mathematical formula yeah. to cut the right angle so all 20 of these pieces fit together. Now, when you get them all together, now you basically have this 20, you know, or a 40 pointed, you know, sort of round chunk of wood. Yep. And from there, you still have a lot of work to do. You got yep. to round it out. You have to round out the inside. You have to bearing edges and holes and work like that. So when I first started, I had no idea where to go from this. I'm like, now I'm like, yeah. great. I kind of, I have a snare drum somewhere in here. Yeah, How a, do I find a it? A very pointy, blocky. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Basically all I can call it is a pointy, blocky thingy that is like, there's a snare drum in there sort and I round. want it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sort of round. It's in a round sort of shape, but it's got all these uh, stopping yeah. parts. So um, not really knowing where to go with it, but I knew that I wanted to get it done. Um, I basically just took out my belt sander and um, I... I, I took a uh, I took a piece of plywood and I basically drew out like I, I made a big compass basically and I'm mm -hmm. like this is the size that I need I need 13 and 7 eighths to my finished edge so I you know I drew it out and took my jigsaw and I is cut that it out is the outside edge yeah the okay. outside edge so a 14 inch 14. drum is actually 13 and 7 eighths right. you want to give a little bit of space in there so yeah. So now I have like a uh, like a jig, basically a point of reference, and so I took my belt sander and just went around this thing. Dude, it took me like two weeks to fucking sand this thing down. <laughs> like what kind of wood was it? Uh, it was sycamore. The drum is actually still out in my shop, yeah. and uh, sycamore it's a hard, it's a hard wood. Sycamore is a lot like a maple. Um, okay. A lot of times people hear maple and they think of this really hard wood, but maple is actually kind of a soft wood. Yeah. Um, it does so many varieties of maple and right. sycamore. Um, it's just a, it's a beautiful piece. Uh, has a lot of character. There's not a lot of drums made out of sycamore. Um, I made it because that table that we had originally talked about, yeah. the lady wanted like this nice table, and my friend of mine had just milled up a shitload of it. And I was like, great, I'll just use that. Well, now I have this huge stack of sycamore just sitting there, and not made being made into a table. I'm like, I'll use that. I don't really know. I at this point, I still had no idea. This is my first time experimenting, and I'm like, yep. I just I researched this how to do this to death and then i just hit it with a belt sander yeah. <laughs> just ground the hell out of it so finally like after like finally finding the outside you know round shape i know my eye got really good my hands got even better and now i can feel the differences in the wood i can feel the you know any lumps or bumps or you know i i, I got it now my eyes trained my hands are trained uh, I've just spent literally two straight weeks sanding the stupid piece of wood, um, and uh, and so from there, uh, a drum needs a bearing edge, which is basically the top and the bottom need an angle on it like this, and so you okay. don't just have a big flat spot on the drum. You have a nice fine point that the drum head rests on. So um, basically, I just I made myself a router table and took my router, stuck it up through the table with a forty-five degree um, bevel bit. And I, and I was like, oh, well, that's pretty simple. But I didn't round out the inside. So the inside of this drum is also, you know, quick pointy yeah, parts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had to then, which, you know, if you were to run a router bit on all these points, now it's not round. It's round on the outside because the outside yeah. is round, but the inside has, it's thin in one spot and thick in the other. And so now I need yeah. to take a file and file it round oh, and it, dude it was in a crazy amount of work it was yeah. insane i'm like this is gonna be the only one i do because this is stupid like 
it's taken me forever. So finally, after like you know weeks and weeks of like doing this, I was I'm still going to work at this point, like contracting. I'm like hanging sheetrock during the day and then coming home making dinner. My poor wife, I, I love her to death, but she can't cook. Um, so in order to save my family from starvation, I'm cooking every night. Um, and so you know, make sure everyone's like all set, taken care of, put to bed yeah. in the shop. Yep doing this thing so you know i'm almost working on like barely any energy and just you know researching and playing with numbers and figuring stuff out um i wrap this thing all up i find a place where i can get all the drum hardware i get my drum hardware on there i finish the thing up and like i'm going around i'm tuning it i'm making sure that you know i'm, I'm tuning it the way i want it to be tuned and it's literally the best sounding drum i've ever heard in my life awesome. and i'm like nice. holy shit like i just <laughs> created a masterpiece on my first try i'm like this thing is dope and i want more and yeah. so it's like okay well how can i do this better faster how can i produce how can i how can, where do i go what do i do yeah. and so um actually i've made probably hundreds of drums in my career doing this that's still probably one of my favorite wow. and it's just nice. one of those things where it was like it was such an experiment and it was like every time i look at it i think of the painstaking process of sanding that thing down like literally <laughs> like a half an inch all the way around this uh, thing how, how long have you been doing this uh i start i made that drum seven years ago all right yeah wow. so i've been doing this for about six or seven years i there was a time where i, I wasn't making anything yeah last time i saw you i think you you had started doing it and you were telling me about yeah. how, how you know how yeah. the different angles you have yeah. to use and it's I remember insane. you telling me and my, yeah. me and my dad so it must have been at Brian's house it was probably me and my Brian's. dad standing there and you were, you were telling yeah. us oh you gotta cut up this angle yeah. and put them all together yeah if yeah, if anyone if anyone knows <laughs> anything about ENS Workshop it's your brother he's got two of my drums yeah he does yeah, yeah he's beautiful. got one that I made with his initials and Sarah's initials. Yeah. That's that one I made out of a spalted maple. That one's gorgeous. Yeah. That one's gorgeous. Um and then the other one that I made for him is actually out of sycamore. And yeah. uh just because I love that sound of the sycamore. The sycamore is just a beautiful sounding uh wood for drums. Um this podcast brought to you by Sycamore Wood. Um <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh so no, so I made his out of sycamore, um, but when I did his, he wanted, um, like I mentioned before, my level of custom is I, I the, my first drum just to kind of tail off on that, uh, my first drum I made because I wanted a certain size, I wanted a certain shape, or whatever, and so the drums, each one of my drums that I make, I talk to you directly. What yeah. kind of wood do you want? What kind of sound are you looking for? What color do you want the drum? What color hardware? It's a full a la carte. Yeah. This drum is specifically made just for you. And I'm only making yeah. one of them. Even yeah. if I replicated this and made something like that for somebody else, it's going to be different in so many different ways. It might kind of be similar, but yeah. it's not replicated. You know what I mean? So when when I when I made these when I made the first drum with the initials on it with out of the spalted maple um, that was something that he really wanted I told him I got this really cool wood he's like, he liked it so I ran with it um, and then he sent me the initials and I came up with that but the second one that I did he wanted a purple drum yeah and he wanted like gold hardware and he wanted he's a Taurus um, yeah he's a Taurus so he wanted the Taurus uh, symbol uh, what is it the um, yeah it's kind of a bull yeah it's kind of yeah. like a bull like half ring with horns on it 
And I'm like, okay, yeah, fine, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. I, I got, it. I got you, bro. <laughs> and so it was funny because like I, I was like, all right, well, I've used a lot of stains, but I've never really used a purple stain. Yeah. And so like I got like a stockpile of scrap wood that was sycamore, like cutoffs or whatever. And then I found this one stain that's called unicorn spit. And I was like, unicorn spit, and it's purple. I mean, it's got to be good. I mean, it's yeah, right. You know, whatever. So. I tried it on a piece of wood and it came out like Barney. It was like, <laughs> now being colorblind, you know, I'm looking at him like, when I said it was purple, like this shit was purple. I showed yeah. it to my daughter and she was like, wow, that's really pretty. And I'm like, <laughs> no, he wants like a power color. He's like listening to Santanic death metal and stuff. Like, I'm not sure if Barney was the look he was really going for. Like when you have a seven year old tell you, like, oh, wow, that's really cute. Yeah. No, no, we're not going to be playing metal music with a Barney snare drum. So a Hadawai, you know, less less pretty and more deep. Yeah, we want power. I mean, yeah, exactly. A purple is a power color, and I do like that really rich, saturated purple color. Actually, that's I love that color. But how do I get it? And so, especially being colorblind, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was, it was kind of tricky. So actually, what I did was uh, I stained the wood. I tried like you know, like I said, I had a big pile of scraps. I'm like. Maybe if I want, I want more red in it. And so I stained it red with this really deep, like heavy cherry, like red, almost mahogany, and then purple on top of that. And then I sand it down and try and get that red from underneath yeah. it. I'm like, no, no, that's not right. Let me, let me do it black. And then I'll do the purple on top of that. And I was like, that was pretty good, but the black is too deep. So I did purple and then black on that. And so then, I, so I just kind of try to find the right combination of layer and colors to find that. Yeah, I love doing that. Dude. I, I could probably do that all day long. Just like color building yeah, just and, yeah. Screw around with, uh, you know, different uh, stains yeah. and stuff. That was actually one of the first times, like I said, I do a lot of staining, but it's mostly just on one color. Or um, recreating, um, like, a look. Like, I want, I want something that looks like, uh, like driftwood. Okay, yeah. well, what we can do is we can take a steel brush, wire brush, and wire brush the yeah. grain in it, right? And then I'll take like a white paint, like a primer, yeah. and hit it with the paint and then sand it all back. Yeah. And so now all that little white paint is in the nice fines in the wood. And then yeah. you can layer it. It's going right into all those little cracks. Yeah, and all those little like grooves, all the nice little fines in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you can lay your color on yeah. top of that awesome. and then sand that back. And then you can, you know, do whatever. And so now you have like these layers of color in there. But then if you can, if you can find that nice balance between having that nice patine in the wood come yeah. through and just, you know, so you don't just map the color and it'd be like, what happened there? There's your next one, driftwood. Drum. Yeah, yeah, actually it's in the it's in the works. Is um it? I have I have three drums that I'm working on currently. Um actually one drum in particular, this one is a big shout out to uh Darren Walsh um out of New York City. Um Darren is a um uh, he is very much like myself. He's really he's kind of a he's kind of a geek like I am. Like we trip out on like aliens and predators yeah. and you know that whole like genre yeah. of like horror movies and everything. <laughs> I uh, seriously him and I we could talk about alien movies and and Geiger like all day long. I mean, I love that. Geiger is the artist that did the artwork and designed the alien from yeah. the original alien movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does like artwork for tool covers yeah. and uh, he has that real kind <laughs> of like 
almost like organic uh yeah, it's like biomechanical biomechanical yeah, that was yeah. the word i was like a biomechanical kind of thing and it's like if you look at it long enough you find a woman's vagina you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, so right. it's it's really kind of interesting stuff it's and I, I love that work and so he actually found ens workshop um uh through facebook and he presented this idea to me about making an alien inspired drum and right away i'm like dude i'm all about yeah, that right. i love this i'm like all right now i got a brilliant idea I want to use a curly maple, and I'm going to do a an alien design. If you go on ENS Workshop's Facebook page, um, it's one of the like the headlining pictures. Um, this was a drum that I did because I wanted that ripple of like the alien skin. So it took me like three weeks to find the right piece of curly maple yeah. to actually make this thing. And then once I found that nice tight grain maple, uh, I started right to work. I knew the sound that we were looking for, so I created the drum. At this point, I can throw a drum together pretty quickly. So get the drum together, but now is the hard part. He wants a certain sound, but I've actually never... I haven't made too many of these particular wood species drums before a curly maple. This is probably my third one that I made, but he wants a very specific sound. So I'm like, how about this? I'm going to make two of them. I love this yeah. idea. So I'm going to make one for you and one for me. Whichever one you want, that one's yours, and I'll keep the second nice. one because I just want one. <laughs> and so I made one. It was like a six-inch, and then I made one that was like seven and a quarter. This, the size of them will change the sound dramatically. So I made one from – I made this one with a curly maple, and I blacked the whole thing out, put this nice black hardware on there. But before I blacked it out, I hand-drew this alien, like, leaping out of the drum, like, coming at you. Sweet. I hand drew it right on there and then like I actually that was the it was like trying to capture lightning in a bottle because um, I did it on a spare I have a like a separate drum that I just put together just to try stuff on so there's like holes in one side or there's some weird design on another <laughs> yeah. side and it's like it's just one of those experiments yeah, it's, it's so I drum. yeah right so I, I drew this alien this crazy like masterpiece alien coming out of this drum and I blacked it all out I'm like dude this thing is sick now we got to do it all over again. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, here I am, and I, and I took the time, and I, I drew it all out, and I, and I blacked it out, and the thing came out pisser. And I'm like, not only does it look really cool, make sure you check that out on ENS Workshop's Facebook page, but uh, I really like the way it sounds. And once again, ENS Workshop, you want to enjoy what you have. Obviously, you're going to enjoy this one-of-a-kind alien drum, but you want it to sound good. It sounds pisser. Right? Yeah. And so I'm like, I knew he was going to like that one. I need to make another one. So out of the same wood, <laughs> so out of the same wood, I make a bigger yeah. one. And this is actually also on that page. Um, this is a curly maple. This is actually my go-to snare. I play on it right now. It's set up in the studio. Sweet. Um, and it's a seven and a quarter inch uh, curly maple, curly ambrosia maple um, snare drum. But on this one, I hand burned like a meditating alien on it. And it, would, cool. it, it, dude, it took me forever to burn that thing, but it was like what, like we talked about before. No matter if you're into woodworking, or if you're a design major, or if you are, if you knit something, or if you are into some sort of craft, or even like office work, when you start getting into a rhythm and you're focusing on this one thing, time just ceases to exist, yeah. and you're just so you got this laser focus on what you're doing. I would just sit there and start doing all these super fine little cuts with my burning pen and like sit there and do this thing. 
And then all of a sudden I look up and everyone's in bed and it's yeah. like almost sunrise. And I'm like, yeah, right. We I've talked about do- that when, when I got here. Like, you I've were in the doing uh, this shop. for like two days. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah. in the shop and you were like, yeah, uh, I, I'm not here until and nobody here. I'm just the wee hours yeah, of the exactly. morning. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it, so I ended up getting carried away with it. But um, but anyway, and so that one came out brilliant too. But it was a different. It's a much more fuller sound and uh, has just I can. I have now figured out a way where I can make one drum sound like 30 different drums just by where I hit it and how I hit it. That's cool. Uh, which is great because then that level um, can really kind of change what you can do with your customer. Like, you want a certain sound, I can work yeah. with you. But if you want a variety of sounds, I'll sh- <laughs> not only can I make this thing for you, I can show you how to use it. Cool. You know what I mean? That's which awesome. is pretty neat. So do you have any unique tools that help you? Uh, uh, I do. So basically I have the main staples. I have my um, my workhorse, which is my table saw. Um, it's been calibrated a couple times to make sure that when I set it to 9 degrees, which is the angle of a stave, that it's actually an exact 9 degrees. Uh, my joiner um, for cleaning up some edge work. Uh, my planer for thickness. Um, I do have a lathe in the shop sometimes if i if i really need to turn it quickly i'll uh, i have a jig that i created that i screw this jig onto the shell and i put it on my lathe and i can quick turn it on the lathe on the inside and outside the inside's a little tricky because my lathe is not a big one it's a harbor freight special it was 200 and something bucks it'd be hard to get that angle yeah yeah you got to turn the cutter head off the side and the tool rest is really far out from the stand and if there's any give on that thing then you could actually catch your gouge and your wood piece and you could break your arm throw a piece of wood get impaled with something yeah Yeah, serious injury yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so to risk serious injury i uh i tend to you know, I'll, I'll create like a tool rest jig where, you know, I can bring in another, you know, piece and apparatus basically, and I can turn it. Um, I have a couple of different things that I use that are kind of like a secret recipe that I, I'm not ready to fully disclose at some point, but, uh, <laughs> but it can get kind of weird and wild. Like I've made some, I've made some special tools, handmade tools just to get, um, a certain cut that I want. Um, nice patents for stencils i hand cut all my air vents and so i actually have like i have more i have more like stencils than anything else so yeah yeah you need this stuff yeah yeah exactly um so i normally ask people if it's if their projects are like really planned out or they're intuitive yeah where you're just kind of flying by the seat exactly yeah so um which is it for you do you think it's more intuitive uh, I would have to say it's a little bit of both. Um, there's so much planning involved when it, when it goes into a drum or some of these new travel mugs that I'm creating um, that there's really, it has to be so precise that it has to be planned out. Um, and also with the amount of time that you put into something like that, um, you you got to at least have it mapped out. But when it comes down to the finish of it, you might start getting into something and be like, that's not going to work. I need to change. And so you have to be able to switch on a drop of a dime and be a little more intuitive and be like, I tried doing that this way that I was going to do it. That doesn't work. So we're going to do this instead. Right. And so you got to be able to change it up. So it's, I would have to say it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Cool. That's good. So uh, what would your advice be for somebody that wants to uh, get into woodworking uh, in, in general, get into woodworking or build drums. In general, if you want to get into woodworking, um, my 
view was always kind of like um, the uh, the islands that you were at. It's kind of like you know, it's a really cool place. It'd be nice to preserve it, uh, but just don't yeah. go there. You know, I want it for myself. <laughs> but uh, but no, honestly. But if uh, if let's say if if you or if anybody that's listening that want to get into uh, woodworking. I would recommend finding somebody that you can either learn from uh, or, I mean, I don't suggest watching these stupid shows on, like, do-it-yourself network. That's all a bunch of horse shit. That's um, the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It's it's awful. I watch the shows and I want to puke. It's a, the, the family, I'll, like, wake up on Sunday morning and they're all in here watching, like, Flip Nevada or, you know, or, you know yeah. this old house and it's like... These guys, I mean, it's. I don't even want to get into it. The good, out. the good thing about this old house is at least they are showing professionals. Yeah. Doing stuff. Yeah. But the ones where it's like, oh, this guy is flipping a house on his own. Me and my father used to laugh at that. Yeah. Because we used to remodel houses. Sure. That's what we did. Yeah. We'd go to people's houses and they'd have these ideas in their yeah. head. Oh yeah, we want to take down this wall. We'd immediately be like, "You can't. That's a load bearing yeah, it's wall. A load you can't just walk into a house and start yeah. knocking shit down." Yeah, right. No, like the after. thing that gets me is like when they're like when they're doing the house flips or whatever, and you, you you see the husband and the wife. They go into a house and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do this uh, br- brilliant mantelpiece, honey. Can you make me this mantle? Sure, babe." And then they cut to commercial and they come back and he's sitting there with a hammer, like just whacking it like this. <laughs> and he's like, "So what do you think of that?" He's like. Yeah. You see that, honey? You see what that man did for his wife? He just made yeah, this beautiful right. mantle. It's like, no, this yeah. guy went to his trailer and ate a fucking Twizzler and took a dump <laughs> while, like, a bunch of other people did the work, and he yeah. came in and banged it with a hammer. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> uh, a week later, and the whole entire yard's landscaped, and the whole house is completely painted and refinished yeah. in a week. Yeah. It's like, no, there was a crew of, like, 40 guys yeah. that went in there, and it was probably more like a month. Yeah, right, yeah. And you can't just go up to a wall unannounced with no clue what's in yeah. it and start hitting it with a sledgehammer yeah, right. match. Oh, don't worry it's... about inspections or whatever yeah, because yeah, inspections no, happen no, all the time. You know, none none the inspector's going to come right over here to make <laughs> sure that the real. insulated, you know, the walls are checked. Yeah, and none of this inspected. is real life. It's, but it is ridiculous. Back back to the, uh, we're deviating, but back to the original <laughs> question, I would recommend that, you know, find <laughs> some books that you like. Depending on, there's yeah. so many... I love woodworking because it's vast. I mean, you can have a particular style. I know what style I like. I have a combination of styles. I do like that Quaker look. I do yeah. like I do a lot of restorating on historical homes. Yeah, so right. I really appreciate nice joinery. I yeah. I've been studying for the past like year, I've been studying Japanese joinery. I love it. I mean, it's it's awesome. I mean, you can spend all this time coming up with this really cool, like, intricate way of just joining two pieces of wood and, like, a little wooden peg. No glue is needed, no nothing, and it's going to last decades. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been in houses that were just built that are already starting to fall over. You know what I mean? It's like it takes a certain craftsman to really, you know, the eye, the patience, the everything that you can do to really get into that. And so... I, I kind of like that um, I like the, the quality of time and what you're doing instead of just mass producing a bunch of garbage um, right. but so I would recommend maybe looking into just determining what direction you want to go whether it's refinishing yeah. I know a lot of friends of mine like to refinish stuff I've done that too like in a quick pinch uh, I, I have some spare time I can go to the end <clears> of the street <throat> or just drive down the road and see if someone's throwing away a dresser Picking it yeah. up, bring it home, refinish it in like a day and a half, and then 
sell it. Yeah, a lot whatever. of the furniture in my house is all refinished. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good way. I would, I kind of like doing that a little bit more for myself because it's not something I created. Yeah. You know, if the thing starts falling apart, it's not like, well, the guy, yeah. I got it from this guy, yeah, he refinished it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no. So, um, so I don't really do a whole lot of that, but it's just one of those things that you have to determine what you want to do and then researching it and then getting yourself sharp tools, keeping your chisels sharp, keeping your tools sharp, there's nothing more dangerous than a dull tool. Mm-hmm. I have removed, like I told you, 10% of my right thumb. I have severed the three finger. I've severed my pointer, middle, and ring finger on my left hand on the table saw. Um, I they're they're all there. I mean, they they come yeah. back pretty good. Um, but um, just yeah. be careful. Know your limits. Uh, you know, it's Especially you gotta be super sleep. careful. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, don't, <laughs> exactly. Don't get yourself so tired. The biggest thing that I can tell anyone, and you can make sure this makes it, makes it into the final podcast, is um, like I tell my kids, you go into a workshop, whether it's your own workshop or somebody else's workshop, everything in that shop wants to kill you. Everything wants you to bleed and die. Yeah. Do not give it that chance. Do not give it the a split second to do what it wants to do and that is to cut you open and watch you burn you have to have respect for your tools respect your yeah. tools respect what it can do know what it can do understand what it does and then you can go forward from there if someone didn't know how to operate a joiner and just started running with through it yeah. i mean you could very easily lose your hand and get sucked into the machine and lose your arm you know, I've 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 actually I've heard horror stories. A friend of mine was a cabinet maker, and he was working uh, on a project, and he took his eye off the, what he was doing for a second, and he was wearing a button-down shirt with a loose sleeve, and the saw caught his sleeve and literally sucked his arm into the saw. You only have a half inch of space. Yeah. Now imagine your arm jammed into a saw that's only a half inch wide. And luckily, he he lived. I mean, he lost half yeah, his arm. But shredded. Yeah, he shredded to pieces. It looked like a great white shark came up and chewed on his arm. It's and he was like, nah, I was actually rough. making a cabinet. <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to make a cabinet. Um, so do you consider yourself more of a craftsman or an artist? Oh, back to the intuitive to mapping out, I would, uh, I would consider myself a little bit of both. You have to have an artist eye to visualize where you want it to end up. Um, and then also a craftsman because you can't really get there unless you have skill. So right. it's really those are two essential uh, ingredients in the recipe of creating something out of wood. You really need to, if you don't have a very artistic eye, but you just like you know cutting stuff and nailing it together, that's a start. And then yeah. once you start, and then you get better at it, you'd be like, oh well, it looks cool if you do it like this. Now before you even know it, now you're thinking more like an artist. How does it flow? How does it? How does you know? How does that work? But then your craftsman skills—that's where you can really start picking up the the, the trade part of it. So nice. I would have to say personally, I'm a little bit of both. I'm more—I nice. have an artist background, but I figured out how to work wood. Yeah, yeah, nice. But, you know. That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, final. Um, if somebody wants to buy a drum mm-hmm. or buy a uh, pepper mill, yeah, or travel uh, a travel yeah. mug, and I uh, so <coughs> ENS workshop, uh, yeah. 
in this workshop, I do all kinds of fine finish work and stave drum building. Uh, whether you're into one or the other, uh, I can be reached at any time. Uh, you can get me, I, my, my website is still under construction um, by Mr. Mike LaBelle, um, who I'm working with to get that going, but there's a lot of information. But So until then, you can reach me at Facebook, uh, Tyler Hall at Facebook, or ENS Workshop, also on Facebook. I go under the handle Chisel Stizzle yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. That's Chisel Stizzle. Um, you can uh, you can reach me at any time. You can uh, Facebook message me. Um, Messenger seems to be a good way to do it because I've been yelled at by Facebook for giving prices uh, online. They don't like that. Yeah, so, yeah you can't do that. So uh, so contact me through Facebook. Um, I would give you my cell phone number, but I'm not ready to disclose that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. You don't have to do that. <laughs> Uh, how about email? Do you have an email? Email, yes. You can reach me at all lowercase letters, T as in Thomas, J as in Jonathan, A as in Aaron, H as in Hector, 17 at yahoo.com. That's T-J-A-H at 17 at yahoo.com. <laughs> T-Jaw 17. <clears throat> T-Jaw. T-Jaw 17. All right, man. Well, thank you so much thank for you. letting me do this. This has been let a, me take the ride up. This has been a really. I mean, we went from all ends of the spectrum here. Yeah, you know, no, we we're, we're talking good. about wood, and then we we're talking about the allergies, and the, you know, actually being in the <laughs> woods and driving on roads and going to Portugal, and yeah, it's been fun, man. It's been real. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being thanks here. a lot. Yeah. All right. So how was that, you guys? Uh hopefully learned something i know i learned a lot from uh, ty it was great catching up with him uh if you'd like to see his work you can check out his facebook page e and s workshop or his instagram his handle is chisel stizzle that's c-h-i-z-z-l-e-s-t-i-z-z-l-e if you like what you see and have questions or want to order a piece from him you can contact him directly via email, tjah at yahoo.com, or uh, as he says, uh, Facebook Messenger is also good. And of course, you can follow Odd People Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to join the Facebook group and leave your comments on all the, uh, all the episodes and you can check out what's going on with previous guests. I try to share what they have going on, deals and such, and projects. And uh, I want to thank Tyler for being on the show and having me at his house. He was a gracious host. We drank a lot of coffee. It was good. Um, and also, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, stay positive. Stay inspired. And as always, stay odd.